0: We're going to be in Romans 9, Romans chapter 9. You know, we've been making our way slowly through the book of Romans. About to get in Romans 9, some complicated stuff there, but God will help us. Um, Also, if you have a kid here, there's a sermon note sheet. Also, if you want help taking your sermon notes, it's actually very nice. I was like, I should probably take notes with that. So those up there, along with some clipboards and things like that. I'm going to read, so it's going to be Romans 9, verses 1 through 5. Romans 9. Boom, there it is. Let's read it. I speak the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience testifies to me through the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were cursed, And cut off from Christ for the benefit of my brothers and sisters, my own flesh and blood. They are Israelites, and to them belong the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the temple service, and the promises. The ancestors are theirs, and from them by physical descent came the Christ, who was God over all, praised forever. Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, help us to understand your word. Help us to um, have a heart of reception, Lord. Help us to to have a posture of reception, Lord, that that we would receive what you're saying. And Lord, that you would work out obedience in our hearts. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So I have a question for you. Do you know someone who cannot keep a surprise? Yes, some people was looking at people. You know, like, damn. You know, like so it's interesting. It's interesting. You know, what what's really interesting, people can't keep a surprise. A lot of times it's the people who didn't necessarily plan the surprise, but they know about it. Like they know about the surprise. And usually they know the person uh, for whom the surprise is for, whether it's a gift or a party. And so like my kids are this way. If if I want to do some sort of surprise, like they got to be surprised too, even if it's not for them. Because if they know about the surprise, they know about the preparation that was done, they'll be like, well, let, let me tell you. Well, you, know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know, they are excited. They want the person to have this gift. No one has to, to tell them to be excited about telling it. No one has to twist their arm for in order for them to tell it. And what's interesting is, passion for evangelism or passion for telling people about Jesus is rooted in the preparation and accomplished plan of God to bless the nations. God has been preparing to bless people for thousands of years. We can see this plan in the scriptures. And guess what? We are in on the surprise. We know about the secret. We know about it. And beloved, if we truly know it, that should make us diligent in wanting to tell other people. Paul starts off talking about this, this pain over his people's rejection of Christ. He says, I speak the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience testifies to me through the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. This verse is crazy. For I wish I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the benefit of my brothers and sisters, my own flesh and blood. So this, the, the, the whole idea of Romans 9, it, it, it is framed with this question. Why did the Jewish people of Paul's day not believe in Christ? That's, that's the framing. Now we're gonna get more into the meat and potatoes of that next week, but that's the framing. And so Paul he he spends these eight chapters telling about what all God has done for us through Christ. And his opponents could be like, well, if God did all that stuff, well, why the people that Christ came for ain't even believing him? And so Paul has to make a defense, right? But the major question actually applies to us all. How do we respond when people do not know? or do not believe in the gospel of Christ. And too many times we feel nothing at all. Too many times it's like, oh, too bad, that's sad. But beloved, Paul says, I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. He wasn't a little bit burdened. He wasn't kind of burden. It was this unceasing, continual fire of, of longing and frustration that the people that he knew and loved would know this Christ who had died for them. If our feelings are not bothered by those who don't know Christ, it indicates how we feel about the gift of the gospel. Right? If you know it's a good surprise and if you know they're going to like that surprise, you'd be like, I can't wait to tell them. But beloved, if our emotions are unaffected, if our soul is not troubled, what do we think about this gospel that is supposed to be the best gift ever? When we look at Paul's unceasing sorrow and anguish, he says something crazy in verse 3. For I could wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ. This is the same one who said, everything that I consider gain, every benefit I have, everything that I could treasure, I would consider that all trash so that I could follow Christ. This is the man who had risked his life to tell people about Jesus and who had been radically transformed. And his burden was so deep. He could say, if it were even possible, I, I could wish, I don't quite wish, but I, I could wish that I could lose so that they would gain. Makes us think about what, what produces a sorrow and anguish over those who do not know. Christ Jesus. Well, beloved, all we have to think about is the benefits of our salvation, which up to this point has been what Romans is about. We can think about the fact that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Though we had a record of debt, a record of sin that stood against us, that record was put on Christ at the cross. Though we weren't looking for Christ, Christ came looking for us and adopted us into his family. That the evil that is in our heart, he has given the spirit so that we could overcome. And that he has this glorious plan for us. This glorification in this perfect world where he is reigning and ruling. And all of our problems are done away with. Ultimately, we know Christ to know Christ. That John 17:3 says eternal life is to know the one and only true God and Jesus Christ whom he sent. Beloved, if we know him, we have been favored. We have been privileged and we have this treasure of knowing him that we should not keep to ourselves. Not only think about the benefits, but think about the consequences of not trusting in Christ. Second second there's only one Verse 8 and 9, it says, When he, Jesus, takes vengeance with flaming fire on those who do not know God, on, on those who don't obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus, they will pay the penalty of eternal destruction from the Lord's presence and from his glorious strength. Beloved, if we don't believe in Jesus, if we don't trust in Jesus, the consequence is our damnation. And so you look at the benefits which are great beyond measure, and you look at the consequences, which are horrible beyond measure, how could we not share this Christ who saves us? See, godly sorrow and anguish produce passion. Godly sorrow and anguish produce passion. And you can see this in the life of Paul. So the context, he's talking about Israel. He's talking about his fellow Jews and how he has such anguish over them knowing who Christ was. Now, here's a little bit of a snapshot into Paul's life. Paul was a missionary. He would go into a new city. And the first place he would stop in every single city was the synagogue. Now, if you don't know a lot about Judaism, the synagogue is where you find Jews, okay? So he would go to the synagogue and he would share the gospel and almost all the time he would get rejected. Then he would go to the next city and he would go to the synagogue and he would share about Christ. And maybe that time he was beaten And then he'd go to the next city, and he'd go to the synagogue. And maybe that time there, a riot was started. Listen, he did the same thing, went to the same people in every single city, and he continued to do it even when he faced rejection, persecution. Beloved, the only thing that could sustain that is burden, is anguish. See, godly sorrow and anguish are seen in perseverance through adversity. We have a really, really rosy picture of what it means to serve, what it means to share the gospel. But beloved, if we have a biblical one, we would not be surprised with upsets. We wouldn't be thrown off when people reject. But if our hearts have been touched by this gospel and we understand the eternal consequences of rejecting this gospel, we can endure even when times are hard. You can see, sorrow, like, Paul had a, had a sorrow over a particular group of people, his, his, his family, if you will. Paul was particularly burdened for his family and his nation. And, and, and I've, I've seen that at some times we could we could go, well, who do I need to reach? Who, who do I need to go and pursue? And the question could be answered like this. What groups do you belong to that you should be concerned with? Right? That, that, those are the people most immediately close to you. And the reality is you yourselves might be uniquely equipped to reach them. So Paul, he says in, in Philippians 3, he says, I'm the Jew of all Jews. That's a statement, in it? It doesn't really work for it. Like, I'm the black people of all black people. Like, just, anyway, he says, I'm the Jew the Jews of all Jews. But what he's saying is I know Judaism front and back. I obeyed it front and back. So who best? To go to the Jews and say, let, you should know about this Christ. And let me tell you how that meshes with our faith. Beloved, all of us were raised in a particular place that we're, we have particular family members. We, we have these, these connections that are just natural to us that will be unnatural for other people. And so the question that you have to ask yourselves is, do I pray Do I long for those around me, those who I'm connected with, those who who I have access to because of where I have been placed? Do I allow the burden for them to affect my life? An easier way to to think about it is is place and vocation. So place is where you at. (laughs) You got particular neighbors. You, got, you go to a particular job. You, like all of that is unique to you. And there are people in every single one of those circles who don't know Christ. And so the, the most logical thing you can do is go, well, in the circles that I run in, who is around me that I could pray for and seek to share the gospel of God's grace? You think about vocation, that's your particular callings, right? So some of you are mothers or fathers. Well, you got some children that need to know Jesus. Some of us has particular jobs. You got co-workers who need to know Jesus. Some of you have particular hobbies. You got people who join those hobbies with you who need to know Jesus, that you've been uniquely placed there. Another way to have a a, a burden for for a particular people is is by divine revelation. There are times when God puts particular people on your heart. There's this time where, where Paul and his missionary companions, they didn't know where to go and they were praying. And Paul had a dream one night and a man from a place called Macedonia said, come over here and help us. And when he woke up, he says, I guess the Lord wants us to go to Macedonia. You know, it was not in my plan to plant this church. My plan was I was going to be an international missionary for till I die. That was my plan. And I remember praying and seeking the Lord when I was in Asia. And the Lord said, you need to go back home. And I was like, I don't want to. (laughs) I'm doing what I want to do. And I remember once I got, I remember, I was like, okay, Lord, where? Where? I remember the Lord said, you need to go to the western part of Greenville. I was like, that's big, Lord. Where? Where do I need to go? And I remember distinctly, the Lord gave me a vision of the intersection of Whitehorse and Anderson. So I want you to go there. And so that is how we picked the location. The Lord said, these people, this place, this is where I want you to be. And so when this building was offered to us, it wasn't that hard. I was like, that is close to the place where the Lord gave me the vision for. So, beloved, we need to pray and ask God, who or where have I been called to? Who can I be burdened over? Who can I leverage my life to serve? When we get to verse four, we get to to look how God planned to bless Israel and everyone else through Israel. Look at verse four. It says, they are the Israelites, the people that Paul is burdened for. They are the Israelites, and to them belong the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the temple service, and the promises. That's a lot, yeah? I was like, how do I explain that? Because you could have a sermon on each little bit of that. But I want, I want to give you a tool right now to understand, understand the flow of the Old Testament. Has anybody ever been confused when reading the Old Testament? Don't be spiritual. Okay, y'all real spiritual. All right, so I've been confused when reading the Old Testament. All right, so I want to give you some tools. All right, listen up. I'm going to give you some tools. You can view the Old Testament as a series of covenants between God and people in order that he would bless the nations. A covenant is where two or more parties come together to make an agreement. All right. There's the marriage covenant. Two, well, hopefully it's not more. Two parties come together and they say, I am going to be with you. I'm going to be with you and we're going to be there forever till we die. All right. So, so you can view the whole Old Testament as a series of covenants, as a series of agreements between God and between his people that he would bless them and bless others through him. So look, I want you to consider Abraham. Abraham shows up in Genesis 12. He's the the father of the Jewish people. In Genesis 12, 1 through 3, it says, The Lord said to Abram, Go from your father's land, your relatives, and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. And you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you. I will curse anyone who treats you with contempt. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So here's just the key. When, when you're reading the Old Testament, it seems like Israel's going through all these trials and tribulations. And you're like, what does that have to do with me? Genesis 12, 3. All the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you, through Israel. So the, God's plan with Israel isn't just about Israel. God's plan with Abraham isn't just about Abraham. It's actually about you. It's about God's faithfulness to accomplish his plan to bless you. And one, the one thing I, I, that's so interesting about the story of Abraham is, is it doesn't say Abraham did anything to make God make this covenant. It wasn't like Abraham was super fake. Abraham was just a dude. He was just the dude. And God said, you, I'm choosing you. This is the, the, the example of grace that we see. God has chosen you and picked you, not because you are awesome or not because you did something good or something bad. He just has grace and mercy on you. And then he gives this promise to bless Abraham and his family and to bless everyone f- through their family. And this covenant kind of continues. And you can see this covenant continued through the prophet Moses. In Exodus 19, 5 and 6, it says, Now, if you, Israel, if you will listen carefully to me and keep my covenant, you will be my own possession out of all peoples, although the whole earth is mine. And you will be my kingdom of priests and my holy nation. These are the words that you are to say to the Israelites. Again, this is a continuation of this intention to bless the nations. And so through Moses, God gives the law, you know, the Ten Commandments and 600 other ones. He is loving enough to give them explicit directions. Beloved, a lot of times you just, you be looking in your life, you're like, can I just know what to do, right? What should I do next? God's like, hey, let me tell you exactly what to do. They'd be like, thank you. You know, he has them to be priests. A priest is someone who represents people to God, or it was God to people. So Israel was blessed, not just to, to be blessed, but to, to be a conduit through which God blesses the nations. And then he says he wants them to be an example. That's what it means to be a holy nation, that they would look at Israel and see something about Israel that make them think about God. And then they gave them this, they gave them this, this temple service, this, this tabernacle, this temple, this place where sacrifices are made. And so when they fail to obey the law, there is a provision made so that there is an animal sacrifice. And what it gives is it gives an objectiveness to forgiveness. You ever asked somebody to forgive you and they said they were going to forgive you, but you wasn't sure? you like, I still hope they do, though. You know what I'm saying? No, God gave a sacrificial sense system. So you go, look, I forgive you. Look, that's how you know. Look, not only that, the covenant continues through King David. God chose King David. This is in 1 Chronicles 17. It says, so now this is what you are to say to my servant David. I will designate a place for my people, Israel, and plant them so they may live there and not be disturbed again. Evil doers will not continue to oppress them as, as they have done. Furthermore, I declare to you that the Lord himself will build a house for you. And when your time comes to be with your ancestors, I will raise up after you a descendant who is one of your own sons, and I will bless his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for me, and I will establish his throne forever. I will appoint him over my house and my kingdom forever, and his throne will be established forever. Again, You're like, what does this have to do with me? I'm telling you, in Genesis 12, God chose Abraham to bless him, to bless his family and his descendants so that everybody in the whole world would be blessed. And he says, I'm going to give this eternal descendant who will establish an eternal kingdom. There's going to be a promise of peace where oppression is gone. And there's going to be the administration of justice. See, God has revealed himself through the Old Testament and answers the longings of his people. What longing does he answer with his covenant to Abraham? He answers this longing for belonging. Beloved, a lot of times we're asking, who are my people? Where do I belong? Where do I fit in in this world? And we can see God saying, you fit with me. I have chosen you. I want you to be in my family, not because of what you have done, not because you are really good or X, Y, Z, but because I am loving and I am gracious. So you are to be with me. Not only that, he gives his people dignity and purpose. I want you to understand something. Do you think God needs a helper? No, he created everything by himself. So why in the world is he going to Abraham going, hey, you, why don't you help me do something? Is it because he needs help? No, no, he actually gives Abraham the dignity and says, I am going to partner with you. Now, listen, when someone who is really, really good at something says they're going to partner with you, you understand, oh, they're showing me some grace. They let me in on this thing. He is affirming the dignity of people. And so when I see around my community and I see people with a head held low, I know that there's a God who not only wants to save them, but wants to use them for his mission. Do you see the dignity that is there? Now, I don't want you to just to sit somewhere, but I, I have some plans that I want to accomplish through you. And then we see in his, his covenant through Moses that he provides clear direction. People are longing for clear direction. That's why people look at horoscopes, why they talk about destiny. I don't know, have you ever seen on social media people fill out these quizzes and it's like, you will have seven kids, or Like, there's always something random. You know, the, the future is like this. Yes, sim, y'all know what I'm talking about. And it's like, what, why, why are people doing that? Because people long for direction. And through the covenant with Moses, we have a God who says, Hey, I will give you clear direction. You will not wander around aimlessly, but I will make the path abundantly clear. And through this this covenant with Moses, we see that God provides forgiveness and atonement. How many people live their lives thinking this? How do I make up for my past mistakes? How do I fix what I broke? How how do I make up for the shortcomings? And God says, no, 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 no. I will give you forgiveness and I will give you atonement, meaning the forgiveness will be concrete and you will see it. And through the covenant with David, we see that people are longing for a benevolent leader. Did we not see that in 2020? How much passion arose when you tried to pick a president or pick a conqueror? People were like, I want a good leader because I need somebody who is benevolent, who is good, who will care about my needs in order to lead me. God's saying, I will provide that leader for you. And people want righteousness and everlasting peace. Movements are created for this cause. They can be good or bad. You know, the the civil rights movement, they they wanted some righteousness and some peace. At the same time, communism is because they wanted some righteousness and some peace. People devote whole movements and energies because they are looking for a sense of righteousness and peace. And beloved, what we see in verse 5 is that Christ is the fulfillment of all these promises. And verse five, it says, The ancestors are theirs, and from them by physical descent came the Christ who was God over all, praised forever. Amen. There's a short poem, it's called The Song of the Messiah. It's from the Kenyan Book of Prayer. Listen, it says, Jesus, the seed of Abraham, Jesus, The prophet like Moses frees the oppressed. Jesus, the Lord of King David, leads his people. Jesus, the servant of the Lord, suffers and saves. Jesus, the son of man, destroyed and raised. We can see in the scriptures that all of God's promises are fulfilled in Christ. Not simply to fulfill the promises so that you could be blessed. So we see, we see that Christ is the seed of Abraham. So so he says, hey, through, the, through your family, I'm going to bless the earth. How does he do that? Well, Jesus is the great, 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 great grandson of Abraham, and he comes as the perfect man to die for the sins of the world and then bless them with forgiveness and redemption. We see that Christ is the prophet like Moses, that he comes giving us clear direction when he says things like, you've heard it say that you should not murder, but I say to you, if you have Hate somebody in your heart, you have committed murder. He is the one who frees us from the oppression of sin and Satan. And then we see Christ and, and then that, that He is the perfect slain lamb, the objective declaration of our forgiveness from God. And then He is the high priest, the one who mediates between us and God and brings us to God. Beloved, all the promises are fulfilled in Christ. And Christ is the king who descended from David, who defeated all enemies, and will rule forever. He defeated sin and Satan through his death and resurrection. And he will establish a universal kingdom with universal peace. Beloved, do you see the preparation of God to save people? Do you see his plan unfolding? And beloved, you have been blessed through this plan. You have been included in God's family. But there are those around you who have not heard about this. There are those around you who don't feel as if they belong, who don't have direction, who are striving and looking for righteousness in all the wrong places. And then we have Christ. If you ever wonder, if y'all ever wonder, does the Bible say Jesus is God? All right, let's look at verse five. The Christ, who is God overall? Is that clear? Okay, I think that's pretty clear. Okay. God himself saw his people. Here's a crazy thing. When you think about the covenants that God made with Abraham, Moses, and David, what's interesting is that every single one of them failed on their end. Like it was an agreement, but like they didn't keep their part of the agreement. And so God sees his people failing and he says, you know what, I'm going to go down there and I'm going to make the agreement with myself. I'm going to go fulfill the other part of the agreement because they're struggling. So God comes down, puts on flesh, and we see Christ incarnate. God cares so much about humanity that he took on human flesh to save it. So God himself accomplishes the covenants in order to bless his people. Beloved, when we learn about these things, these are not simply so that we can have a good Sunday school class or so that we can know some answers to some questions. It's so that we could see this humongous plan of God accomplished in Christ, apply to us, and then go, who else around us needs this plan? Who else around us needs this blessing? So again, we have to ask ourselves, look around ourselves and go, who needs belonging and purpose? Because they can have that in Christ. Who needs forgiveness and clear direction? Because they can have that in Christ. And who needs to be led into righteousness and peace? Because they can have that in Christ. And so with all that, we have to ask ourselves, when we see the plan of God and we see the, 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 the depravity and the lostness of our world, we have to ask ourselves, do we truly have brokenness? <laughs> can we say with Paul, I, I'm, I'm in some anguish because of this, I see all the things that God has done to bless people. I I, I see it clearly. Not only do I see it, I've experienced it in Christ. And there are people around me who have not experienced it. And I can partner with God, even though he doesn't need me. I can partner with God so that they can be included in his family. Now, how, how is this brokenness seen? This brokenness over those who don't know Christ is seen in persistence. It's seen in persistence. Has anybody ever shared the gospel and it felt awkward? I'd have been there. And it makes you go, I don't even know if I want to do that again. Beloved, bro- brokenness, brokenness makes you persevere through that. This understanding that that there is a need and we have the solution. That makes you persevere. I have come face to face with a lot of rejection. Benny's like, I didn't see him. I I have like, listen, we be out here trying to share the gospel. I face a lot of why in the world would I continue to do this? Because I am burdened. Because God has all this good for people. And they don't know it, and so we can persevere, so that we can tell them about the goodness of our God. You know, I, I was—I remember one time I was going with a with a friend who was older in ministry, and and we were going to visit uh, someone who was who was—they um, they were in the hospital, but we all knew that they were going to pass away. It was it was open knowledge, and so we're walking up to the hospital. And I'm like, what in the world are we supposed to say? Because we know, everybody know, what are we supposed to say? And he looked at me and he said, half of ministry is just showing up. Yeah. Otherwise, he's like, I don't know, but we're going. Yeah. <laughs> Beloved, that's half of evangelism. That's half of sharing the gospel with people, just showing up. We see Paul showing up again and again and again, encountering a variety of problems, but then he shows up again. And so what I, what I want to see for our church is that we would have accountability with one another when it comes to seeking the lost, when it comes to seeking those who don't know Christ. I know that we want purity and we should. I know that we need to have consistency and spiritual disciplines and we should. We also need to have a passion to reach those who don't know Christ yet. You know, we're, we're working on some plans as, as a staff to kind of establish some, some accountability groups. But until we get that, I, we have this thing called Eat, Read, Pray. It's in a packet on the back of the welcome table. It's how you can disciple people. If you're like, I wish I could be with people, get the paper, talk to somebody, do it. And then one of the things I want you to talk about is, are we seeking, are we leveraging what we have to seek those who don't know Christ yet? And then again, Half of ministry, half of evangelism is just showing up. So that means that when you go home, you don't just go home and just live in a a little cocoon. You're like, who am I around? Where do I live? Are there people around here that need Jesus? It means that when you go to work, you have your, your spiritual eyes open. Say, who is in need here? It means that when you do your hobby, whatever that is, that you're looking around, say, who is it that needs Jesus? And then I want you to understand our church itself is on mission. So showing up to the things that we do help fulfill the mission. So when we have this cookout on Wednesdays, we're not cooking out just so we can eat some food. We're trying to meet people so that we can share uh, share with them about Jesus. And so, beloved, let's commit to tell people about the great purpose and plan of God for them. And let's not give up. Because here's the awesome thing. God has people here that he will save. It's not up to your powerfulness, the persuasiveness of your words. It's up to Christ, and Christ is going to save people. And so we can keep going because we know that we will see him working, and we will have this privilege of having being used by him. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would give us true brokenness over those who don't know you. Lord God, that that we could have some semblance of the emotion that Apostle Paul had when he said he had, had anguish in his heart. Lord God, I pray that we would leverage our lives for the sake of your gospel and that we would have an examination of our lives. Who who are we around that, that needs to be served? Who are we near that don't know about you, Lord God, that we wouldn't just take our lives for granted, but Lord, that we would see that our lives are an assignment from you. The places that we live, work, and play, you have placed us there for your glory. And so Lord, I pray that by the power of the Spirit, that we will be attentive and that we would seek to share your gospel. In Jesus' name, amen.